You're listening to Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. And right now, we're continuing our discussion about real housewives. Mm -hmm. And ironically, the news just seems to be running in accord with us because within the last couple of days, Bill O'Reilly was talking, you know, from Fox News, was talking about an interview he did with Barbara Walters. And she was talking about the last 50 years as a broadcaster. And he said, but you were one of the original feminists. And Mm -hmm. she said, no, feminism's not a current word. People don't know that. And I'm scratching my head and I'm Mm -hmm. just asking. Yeah. They may change the word, but the concept's been around since the Garden of Eden, hadn't it? Yeah, it's in. In fact, you see the same ideas being promoted in uh, in the New Testament, where Paul is talking about it. In fact, <laughs> why don't we just go pray about this right now, Lord? We know that you have the right answers for all things. You are the ultimate who said so. Unfortunately, we don't trust you as the who said so. We trust ourselves, and that's what gets us in trouble. I pray that we pay attention to what you are offering to us, what you're inviting us to, this better life in your precious name. Amen. Amen. So, you know, then I'm thinking the program, The View, Barbara Walters was, you know, paramount there, and there are a little couple things with Whoopi Goldberg and stuff. And there, I guess you can really start to see generations kind of flowing in and out of the mm-hmm. conversation. Different people mean different things culturally. So I, then I was thinking in the news, and this is just kind of far off. Right. Um, but New York Times, you know, they just recently fired Joe Abramson. Right. And the owner of the Times is going, hey, look, this had nothing to do with these accusations about money. Mm-hmm. It had everything to do with this woman's lack of couth. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, wait mm-hmm. a minute. If ever in my past somebody said that a woman was not kind, not polite, not presenting the very best, there would be these private discussions. Mm-hmm. So what's happened? <laughs> I don't think anything's happened. It, it, it comes down to the very thing we were talking about last time. The thing that I wanted to leave everybody with was this one simple little statement, which was equal in value different in design and role. And everybody wants to make these arguments about men and women and the differences about value. Are men more valuable? Are men more smart? Are women smarter? Are women do? We always want to talk about what they can do better, as which is a value and worth argument rather than talking about simple design and role. Okay, so let me get this clear. You're not an expert on feminism. This is not what we're talking about. Right. We're talking about who's your who said so, and if it's God, then what's his plan? That's the simple way to be thinking about it. If we don't approach it that way, we will get tied up in all sorts of these arguments. I mean, yes, there is a big argument about are women paid less than men? Are are there are they being treated the same way as a man is being treated? Therefore, it becomes a worth situation rather than design and role. We have a certain design that we need to be paying attention to. Yes, those arguments need to be made, but don't make it based on just value. When we make it just based on value, we miss the big picture. Men are designed differently than women. We have different 
different roles within the marriage for sure. We have different roles. And what we want to pay attention to is our who said so is saying, pay attention to the design and roles. That's what I want. Is it entirely possible that I don't know who my who said so is, that I have ideas flopping around in my head and I'm quoting things without realizing where they really come from and the long-term implication? Well, sure, because most people are not understanding what they really value. What is it they really value? And all you need to do is to determine your who said so is tied directly to what you value. If you value things, your who said so can be seen through those values. And your your who said so is most often ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, no. I get it because, okay, one, this discussion we've been having has been based predominantly out of Titus 2. Is that correct? Exactly. And if you go to the website, Great Relationships, that's grnumeratelationships.com, what chapter's there am I anchored? You're in chapter 3. And what we're talking about is the third part of Chapter 3, talking about real women. Okay, I'm lying this baseline here because, you know, as a missionary traveling around, I always see this this tension where culture wants to trump Bible. Mm -hmm. And I think in our society, to a degree, that happens and we don't realize it, and here's why. If I look at a laissez-faire economy, I look at a guy like Keynesie, Right. And I say what I value has a price on it. So the things mm-hmm. I'm willing to pay for are what I'm valuing. Right. And that marketplace concept I am obscuring now in 2000 plus for what the Bible is telling me. Yes, you are. And, and we all will do that simply because we do not have a clear understanding of what is it that we're paying attention to that we're spending our time and money on. I mean, that is one of the key ways you can determine what you value. Where am I spending my time? Where am I spending my money? That's going to tell you who your who said so is. Well, I'm thinking, I'm sorry, I realize I poked at two women. Now I'm going to poke at a man in recent news, right? We've got the owner of the L.A. Clippers, mm-hmm. right? You can't treat me like that. I'm stinking and rich. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, all of his behavior, how he acts, his mistress, is, it's just ick. That's right. And unfortunately, we live in a world that promotes all of those bad values so that we won't, won't be paying attention to and trusting God. Remember the fundamental question of life? Do I trust God or do I trust something other than God? And unfortunately, people that aren't trusting God are going to have values that are completely different than what God is promoting. And that's not what we want. Okay, so I'm swimming in this pool of contemporary culture, and I feel like I can't swim. How do I suddenly stop and go, who's your who said so? Well, you will never ask that question unless you are really interested in trying to determine, do I have a standard by which I believe would be the right way to live? And unfortunately, so many people have these fluctuating standards. They, they're trusting education. They're trusting their money. They're trusting their friends instead of trusting something that has a stand the test of time metric on it, which is God himself or the Bible. Okay, so I'm in your office and I'm asking for help and you're listening to me and you go, Paul, you're panicking. You're, you're trusting all these other things. How are you going to help me refocus? Well, I'm going to ask you to refocus simply by understanding I know that you care about God's word. So it's real easy. Paul, 
you've you violated one of the key things that you say you stand on. You say you stand on God's word, but you're not trusting that. Now, it's very different if somebody was in my office and I didn't know what they stood on. I would be promoting principles that are based on God's word. I'd be promoting those things and seeing how they respond to them so that I can know are we dealing with somebody that actually has a good set of values or a bad set of values? And unfortunately, too many of the people that we have around are trusting in values that really don't have any way of put, uh, putting them on a solid foundation. Dealing with people who don't understand the benefit of simply apologizing or confessing for things they've done wrong or forgiving when people have done wrong things to them. They don't understand the simple nature of the solid foundation that allows them to be on. And therefore, they go around having grudges, hating people for the silliest little things because they don't have a solid foundation. Well, if you have freedom, forgiveness, and confession, those are great tools, but you also need to consider the role of emotions in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because I'm thinking of that. When we come back from the break, I think we're going to have to remember those three tools and that we're not to be emotion-led while we're actually seeking what God's truth is. I need your help in this because I don't know what I don't know, and it's too easy for me to ignore what you're saying to me that's new and go back to what I keep hearing from the world all the time. Yeah, good point. Good point. So there you have it. Greatrelationships.com. We'll be back after the break. But write this down. Give us a shot. It's gr8relationships.com. Bless God, we've been doing this for about a year. We'd like to hear from you. So go to the website. That's Great Relationships, GRNumeral8Relationships.com, and let us know how we can serve you. Not looking for a pat on the back. We're looking for how we may serve you better. We'll be back right after this. Great quotes for great relationships. That woman was taken from man no more implies the inferiority of woman to man than the taking of man from the ground implies the inferiority of man to the ground nor does the term helper connote subordination. Dr. Eugene Merrill. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. You know how you're always praying for a sign from God? That you're meant to go to seminary? This is your sign. Seriously, I'm here to tell you about Grace. Grace School of Theology. It's free grace based. The professors are world-class. It's accredited, accessible, attainable, and oh yes, it's affordable. You can even complete your entire degree online, which means you don't have to move. Wouldn't it be great to have a deeper knowledge of the Word of God? Write this down, www.gsot.edu. G-S-O-T. Edu, or call 877-476-8674, 877-476-8674. Now get going, now! And 
And we're back. You're listening to Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love, because it takes right thinking for right relationships right now. And when you get a chance, not right now, but later on, contact us at info at greatrelationships.com. That's info at greatrelationships.com, grnumeralatrelationships.com. We've been doing this for about a year, and we'd like to know, are we serving you? How Mm -hmm. might we serve you better for the break? We were talking about Barbara Walters and a couple other people. We were talking about culture trying to trump Bible. And why is it that women feel the need to fight and put back what God's already given them? Well, I don't know if it'd be a matter of uh, put back what God has already given them, but you can take all of this. And I totally agree with uh, uh, Barbara Walters that uh, feminist is a... old school. <laughs> it's, it's not only old school, it goes back to the creation. Because the creation, when you go back to the Garden of Eden, you see the reason why feminism is rearing its head. And it's all because of the judgments that have been put in place by God. Now just think about this. God put Adam and Eve on the earth, created them both to do a specific role and function. They were to be taking over the entire earth, to dominate the earth, bring it under submission, and they were going to be doing their role. Adam was the leader, and Eve was to be the helper, a helper just like God. Now, there wasn't any argument about their roles at that point in time, right? Because they simply were doing their jobs. It was in a perfect environment. It was an environment that fit their roles and their designs exactly right, okay? Okay, this is before the fall. Before the fall. What happens is God allowed them freedom to choose. And Eve chose to talk to the serpent and eventually eat the fruit she gave to Adam. Now, what happened there? We had the two roles being reversed. And because of those roles being reversed, we have the original sin happening in the context of a marriage done wrong. Now, why am I getting into all this story? So that we can ultimately get to the judgment. Now, here's the reason why feminism is where it is today, just like it's been in the past, and it will always be with us. It will not go away. Don't assume that it's going to go away because it's tied directly to the woman's judgment. The judgment is Genesis 3.16, where it says that a woman is going to have pain in childbirth. She's going to want to control her husband. And that third one is the key as to why feminism is there. It definitely is tied to the second one, but it's very key on the third one. The third one is the husband will rule over her. And that word rule is not a nice word. It means use and abuse. Now, just notice that. Laid it out to you to see that the judgment on women is saying that men are going to mistreat women, even if they're their wives, they're going to be mistreating their women, unfortunately. So you're telling me I need to A, either go fix God or not pay him any attention. Well, that's exactly what most people will think about it. God has provided an answer for this. 
God has provided a very clear answer. And it's not me fixing it. No, it's not you fixing it. It's about each one of us pursuing the best for each other. A woman backing off of her judgment, a man backing off of his judgment, doing life according to the way God has asked us to do it. It's the reason why we have additional commands, additional resources in Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, saying if you do these things, it'll beat the judgment. That's really what's going on. That's what God is inviting us to do. You don't have to participate in that judgment. You have the answer in what I'm providing to you here. So what we have in the judgments is the very essence of why feminism is not only here, but also will continue to abound. It's because men are mistreating women on the third part and on the second part because women are trying to control men. You can see the the cycle right there. Okay, so they're both racing for the key position. That's right. Women are wanting to control men, and men are trying to use and abuse women. Here we're talking about two single people, two solitary people. I don't mean single, not married. So what I'm thinking of, before the fall, back in the garden, right, we're all living as one happy family. Then we have the fall and things change. Well, what about today? Even in our family, where we should all just love each other and do life, do the day together, Mm -hmm. we don't. It becomes a value statement. Well, it becomes a value statement. That's right. Because what, what we have here, what we have here, if you go back, as we were talking about, before the fall, each one of them were able to do their role, and then they stopped doing their role correctly, and that's when we had sin. Well, we do the same thing right now. That's the reason why God talked about it as the body of Christ. And how do we typically think about that? Paul says, look at, uh, look at the way we interact as if it's a body. There's an eye, and there's a hand, and there's a feet, and there's, there's an appendix, and all that type of stuff. It becomes a value argument again, right? I don't want to be an appendix. I want to be an eye. Right. Right. Or I don't want to I don't want to be a little toe. You know, I'd rather be the forefinger. You know, that's what I'd want to be. It becomes a value argument. And that's where all of this arises. You know, in my family, you know, siblings, mom, dad, everybody, it kind of becomes a statement. What have you done for me lately? Mm -hmm. And when we go there, it's back into the flashing me. The flashing me is driving these judgments. These judgments are fueled by the flashing me. It's really what it boils down to. Or you can say that the judgments fuel the flashing me or vice versa. It doesn't really matter. They are just all in a a bad death spiral, I guess you could say. But what we have here is the flashing me. I want what I want. And I want it now. That's exactly right. And so the judgment gets a woman to focus on, well, he needs to be doing it my way. And the guy is going, well, I need to work. I want work and activities. And you know what? You just do what I say or some form of that, right? And that's where we end up mistreating each other. And we create all these me flashing moments. And it creates this idea, well, I'm being mistreated. I don't need to be treated that way. That's not right. Well, I'm just thinking that that whole not right thing. I'm thinking about this New York Times scenario. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, this woman's screaming, I want more money, it's not equal, I'm a woman, this whole glass ceiling thing, and the owner's going, let me be clear, this isn't about money, this is about Kuth. And in the crux of this argument, all I keep thinking about is, wow, if there was ever a time for great leaders, Mm -hmm. that leadership program, and again, that website is gr8leaders.com, great leaders, and there we are talking about this fundament that you said, pursuing another's best, patiently, kindly, sacrificially, unconditionally, by 
empowering people, not submitting people. Is That's that right. right. You're not trying to force things on them. You're actually being a resource for them. You're practicing humility in order to lead. And that's what every man is to be doing with his wife. And every man is to be doing with women in general. I'll expand it that far, that a man is to be protecting women in general. That is what God has asked us to do. Okay, but I'm guilty. I was just doing something for my wife this weekend, and we were literally trying to pursue her best. But when she felt threatened and I responded to it, it suddenly looked like I went to the leadership school of Attila the Hun. Right. And we will, because that's when our me starts flashing. I'm not getting my my way. Therefore, we start uh, moving uh, down the road of force and manipulation or domination and manipulation. That's how we typically do it. So how do I stop the cycle? I mean, clearly... I want what I want, and I want it now. And if I feel oppressed, I'm going to stand up and dig in my heels. What do you want me to do? Well, it's it's go back to our original uh, statements. Who is your who said so? You don't have a prayer. You don't have a chance if your who said so is something other than God's word. You're not going to have a chance. If you have God's word as your who said so, then you're going to be able to see in, in passages like Titus chapter 2 that a man is asked to be sound in love, sound in patience. He is to be easy to respect. Well, that's something that's vastly different than participating in the woman's judgment by using and abusing her. And a woman is to be doing all the things that we've been talking about. Last week, we were talking about discreet, chaste, good, virtuous. You know, those are critical issues. That's not trying to control somebody. That's actually looking at their life and wanting it to be the essence of God working through them. But I only have to do these things if you deserve them, right? (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, I've got another question for you, but I guess it's going to have to wait till after the break. Again, our website, greatrelationships.com. That's grnumeratelationships.com, and we'll be back right after this. Quotes from God's Word for Great Relationships. Be kindly, affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another. Romans 12.10 Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Relationships can be great, and not just marriages or romantic relationships, all relationships. The Bible offers the same solution to what is essentially the same problem. What is the problem and what is the solution? Study along with us to find out. Great Relationships is a video course offering biblically-based insight on relationships. In each video, watch Herman tame tough issues by discussing them in a casual online learning environment. Each of Great Relationships' 12 chapters are subdivided into quick segments you can squeeze into a coffee break. So if you've had time to listen to this promotion, you have the time to sign up and start today. Visit our website at greatrelationships.com. That's G-R-numeral-8-relationships.com to sign up for our free newsletter. Pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now.
hour back. You're listening to Great Relationships. Join the discussion. Let us know. You can contact us at info at greatrelationships.com. That's info at gr numeral eight relationships.com. Or find us and like us on Facebook. And go ahead and say something, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. But I hope that what you're really doing is sharing truth and reality. And that's my question, Herman. I'm on an airplane. And a businesswoman sits down and she says, I'm a feminist, and I don't want to argue about whether being a feminist is good, bad, or indifferent. Because, mm-hmm. candidly, that's not the point. How do I share truth and reality? How do I talk about God's plan? Well, the, it's so interesting, and I love getting into those conversations personally because it's, uh, it's, a, it's a way to discover how other people think. And that's one of the things that we teach. It's in part of the Great Relationships material back in Chapter 11, if I remember correctly. It's about listening. Now, think about this. If you listen and ask questions, you have a greater chance to understand what's going on in another person's mind. In fact, that's the formula for listening. We talk about it this way. Humility plus focus plus curiosity equals listening. It's not about me. I'm going to sit there and ask some questions. I'm going to focus only on them. I'm going to be curious how they think. So I'm going to be listening. So you get into those conversations, and it's so interesting if you really are just asking questions and trying to understand how their mind is working. Ultimately, if if you get any trust out of a person like that, and I've had a, a good chance to do that on about three different occasions on people that are really staunchly feminist. It wasn't on an airplane, obviously. But uh, it always came down to this. It's very interesting for me to ask the question, in your most honest time period, in your most honest situation, would you want somebody to take care of you, or would you want to be taking care of somebody else? In every one of them, have said, I really would just like somebody to take care of me. Their honesty of what they really want is showing up. Uh, and some men would say the same thing. Maybe maybe a lot of men would say the same. I just want to be taken care of. I don't think so, but it's very possible. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? I mean, that is what God designed, that a man is to care for the woman. That's exactly the point. And that's the reason why the question is asked that way. And if, if they are honest and they do answer that, and they each each of those three times for sure, they've answered it very clearly. Yeah, I'd really like just somebody to take care of me. It's very interesting to see what you said is is truly what happens too much of the time. You get further on in the conversation, and it always comes back to, but I don't trust that anybody will take care of me. I don't trust, and it's a matter of they have their who said so, which is themselves, and, of course, we've got a lot of irresponsible men and, and bad, bad actors out there that are uh, not doing what God has asked them to do. So I'm a woman. I need to look in the mirror and say, it is not wrong or weak for me to want to be taken care of. That's what God's made me to be. So then is it okay for me to turn to a man and say, so I want you to step up? It would be nice if they would. But, you know, when you say, I want you to step up, that is actually trying to control him. <laughs> Back <laughs> so, to the judges. So that might be a difficult place for you, for you to be. It would be, it'd be better to say, it, it'd be great if you, were, if you uh, took on your role and really did it the way God is asking you to do it. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to respect you no matter what. That's where the mindset needs to be. Okay. Now, am I allowed to define how you're supposed to take care of me? Uh, God's word is doing the definition. You'd be asking 
Uh, you know, I'd, I'd love for you to get into God's word based on what I'm hearing. There's some things in Titus 2, but that's your choice. The more you push on it, the more you try to control it, the more you become part of your judgment instead of doing the thing that you really want to be, which is, I just want to be the godly woman that God has asked me to be. I want to do life the way God has asked me to do it. Okay, but what if I'm married and I submit this, as a wife, I submit this invitation to my husband. He doesn't accept it. So I can just say, you abuse me and I'm going to get divorced. Well, that's exactly what too many people think. And God is saying, no, it's not that way. Remember, these are radically new relationships that we're asking people to take on. A radically new relationship is a relationship that simply says, I'm going to do the right thing because my who said so God has asked me to do it this way. It's not whether the other people around me are doing the right thing. It's whether I'm doing the right thing. That's the key. And I'm not sitting here judging the other people. I'm simply going to do the right thing. Okay, so let me be sure I get this. This isn't about making something that's bad better. You want me to do something new. So uh, is this like the alcoholic or the drug addict or the person who's smoking whatever bad habit? I am now making a decision to live differently. Is that what you're asking me? Absolutely. I'm going to decide to live a life that is dependent on what God has asked me to do, not whether other people around me are doing what's right. But Herman, I can't live this new way because all I can keep thinking about is how poorly I was treated. And that's the point of where forgiveness shows up, freedom shows up, and confession shows up. That's the three tools to allow you to move into the solution of pursuing the best for others, patiently, kindly, sacrificially, and unconditionally. So it's, it's critical for us to uh, be thinking about these new relationships differently. So in 30 seconds or less, my one thing. The one thing I'll leave with you, the exact thing I left with you last time. Equal in value, different in design and role. And the roles that God has asked us to, to have fit what he, the who said so, says will work best. There you have it. Thank you, Herman. So until next time, great relationships. Find us on the web, dig into the videos, share it with your friends, but most importantly, pray. Pray for one another, and please pray for us as we pray for you. Greatrelationships.com. How is your day going, Barbara? I can't even begin to tell you how terrific my life is right now. What a coincidence. My life is just overflowing with blessings, too. Why, just yesterday, I found a $100 bill on the ground. That's great. I saved a cat that was stuck in a tree, and the owner was so thankful that she gave me a gift card to my favorite restaurant, Luigi's. Wow. I was in Luigi's just the other day and saved a man that was choking with the Heimlich maneuver. He was so overjoyed that he gave me tickets to that new play that's been sold out for weeks. That's amazing. I've been wanting to see that play myself. Really? I asked my husband and he didn't want to go. Will you go with me? That would be great. Days like this are too good to be true, but great relationships are possible. Join Herman as he offers you the opportunity to pursue the best for others, patiently, kindly, sacrificially, and unconditionally. Right thinking, right relationships, right now.